0: Daniel Paulson, you're doing the introduction today, and we're, of course, joined with a wonderful guest, and it's all yours, Daniel.
1: Well, thank you, Patrick. we got Carolyn Meyer, uh, multiple freediving champion from Brazil, and we also got our master instructor, Juliana Del Corso, with us. So, uh, welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, uh uh well i'm i'm uh you know two uh two people from brazil so it'd be very interesting we've had a lot of swedish people on so far so i'm very very excited to to talk to somebody who's a freediver who's ra- really mastered uh the breath so uh normally caroline uh we start off uh, before we get into diving with your background so c- could you tell us how you uh, a little bit about your background and how you ended up uh, doing freediving. Okay, so
2: I'm very glad to be here to be invited for you guys, and I'm a fan of oxygen Adventures, So since the beginning, um, and well, well, when I well was a child, I I always loved the water, but the the crucial point. When I decided to compete was when I could unite my passion for the water, for I united it to the other sports because I loved to practice several sports in my life. So when I found free diving, I united these two passions. Mm. And then I started training when I was twenty years old, mm. twenty-eight years old.
1: And how, how did you get into and how did you know that you were? I know we've actually talked before that you were you had a you had some sort of talent uh, from the from the first no. time.
2: Um I dive. Uh, I did my dives without count to the the depth or the time. But uh, when I I always go to the went to the sea with the guys, these spearfishing guys, and mm-hmm. the spearfishing guys told me that. I stay I stood longer than them mm-hmm. and but I never I never pay pay attention about it but they told me and one day they requested me to do a, a an apnea in front of them and I did the four minutes almost four minutes for my first time and after that I started looking for the champions around the world and I found the French people and I started to talk with the world champion and the from Reunion Island and I decided to start to training and talking by emails and with the French group. And one day they invited me to go to France to training and I went for three months, next year the, the other year I went for more three months and then I never stopped to training yeah then and I reached the was, world how happens. old were you what
1: age when this happened 20,
2: 28 29
1: so that was a, a hidden talent for many years because most people who become a world champion in anything they normally they know at when they're teenagers or younger that they're very good at whatever sport. Then they practice football. Like I know in Brazil, everybody plays football, but tennis or ice hockey or whatever sport. But at 28, that is that is very late. Must must have been very exciting to know that you you had such a talent for free diving.
2: I also I think that free diving you do not require you an explosion or an aerobic. Um, uh, hypertrophic muscles or an aerobic system too much. Uh, yeah. In the beginning, you need a lot of aerobic level training. Yeah. And you don't, it, young people with a little bit nervous than the old people, a little bit stressed and don't control a lot the, the state of mind. So when you are a little bit older, and you understand better many situations than your psychological side is better than a young people Mm. normally so you you are more able to accept many situations that free diving impose to you
1: yeah because I think it's potentially one of the hardest sports really in the world because uh, any other sport you can kind of get off the train when you feel like okay it's not working today but once you're at a hundred meters depth, you can't really say okay I'm done. You you kind of, you, you, you roll the dice. So, so it's, it's, it's uh, very interesting how you can control and be relaxed because if you're not relaxed, you use up your oxygen. So it's, it's, uh, you have to be able to relax on demand in a very tough environment. So that's, uh, how do you manage to do that?
2: Um, in the beginning, I try to control the breath is very important and, um, Many people think that uh, the most important thing for free diving is the lung of the Mm science, but it's not at all. And it's not a little, a little bit of all the, the most important part of the free diving. It's about how to breathe better outside the water and how to breathe in a cellular situation, not, only put air inside a big lung. So I learned a lot to how to do this bre- cellular breathing
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and it was very important also for me for free diving this this part how to learn how to breathe but mainly the cellular respiration.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, wouldn't you say Patrick that this goes hand in hand with oxygen and just in so far as how you breathe throughout the day and throughout the night, the 20, twenty-three hours plus, mm. and then you have the adaptation phase with. with yeah, with the, I both. love
0: I love hearing that sentence, and um, that it was your breathing outside of the water that influenced your breathing inside the water. Like Caroline, that's pretty amazing. I've measured oh, I don't know maybe. 8,000 people's breath hold times. And I can tell you one thing, nobody ever presented four minutes straight off the bat. <laughs> and I understand it was a maximum breath hold, but even still, it's a pretty, you weren't hyperventilating before that, were you, you, did you have normal breathing and then you breathe in and held your breath for as long as you can, or did you breathe out? And can you remember your first apnea that you did with the, fishermen?
2: In the, in the beginning, I did a, a high hyperventilation.
0: Oh, you did hyperventilation. <laughs> uh, high, very, yeah,
2: very high. Now I know how to do it. Uh I also in the beginning was a, a kind of a disaster, a panic uh, uh, apnea. <laughs> so mm. it was completely wrong. Now I what I do is short apneas, I breathe well outside water. I do short apneas to induce the diving reflex, to induce the cellular respiration. And these short apneas prepare myself to balance also the the parasympathetic side of the mind. And then I know that I'm able to to free dive. Then I do two or three short free diving to just to improve the, the diving reflex. And then I, I'm sure that I, what I, I will do my best in the best conditions then. So in the beginning was completely um, a disaster because I did a big hyperventilation. I, I always go outside the water close to a blackout, always. Because do it to the, the CO2 level so low
0: and when I try to, yes, when you hyperventilate to get your CO two level so low. And yes, then you, so low. Yes.
2: And when I when I feel one contraction, it's time to breathe immediately because I was in a very low oxygen level.
0: Yes. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. Um, just a diving reflex, because some of our listeners may not be familiar with it. Are you talking specifically about the spleen or is there other too. effects? Also,
2: the spleen contractions, you can have it uh, without touching the water. But the first, the, the first reflex was the short apnea outside the water exactly to do it, the mm-hmm. spleen contraction. Mm-hmm. But also to train the, the rib cage to be stopped is also a kind of warm up for us because we hold short apneas, we hold uh, and the, the rib cage expand. And then you are telling to the brain that it will start the short apneas. The brain is ready to the, the biggest apnea, your maximum. And then you touch the water when you touch the water you have this place around your eyes this place when you touch the water you feel the body start to improve the vessels contractions this yes
0: Yes. so your blood vessels uh, your peripheral blood circulation constricts Yes, to, constricts. to conserve blood flow and oxygen for the, yeah. the brain and to the protect.
2: heart. Yes, to protect the le- lungs, brain and heart. So the brady- bradycardia too. Mm-hmm. So we have our body start to, to be more economic mm-hmm. to take so, more oxygen for the main organs that is the the diving
0: reflex yes does it matter
1: does it go down i mean the diving reflex you get a stronger one if you have colder water so what what would be the optimal temperature for you to dive in for a free diving world record would you go to a place where it's a little bit cooler like 10 or 15 celsius
2: i i prefer um i always use a wetsuit because you can't feel cold but you must feel cold around here. Okay. It's the most important part, okay. not our, around all the body, yeah, of... but around here is very important.
0: What, this d- what does that do? Difference. Sorry? What What does that do? Is it stimulating your vagus nerve? Or is it stimulating the vagus nerve? It's or... It's also
2: this difference around this uh, ocular globe
1: mm.
2: is the is one kind of stimulation.
1: Okay,
0: that's an amazing response, right?
2: The people, the the scientists discovered that uh, 40 years ago, that if you are with your clothes, but if you put only your face in the water, you can check this kind of uh, diving reflex because the main part is around the the eyes. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. So there's something really yes. natural and normal for human beings to dive. It's, it's almost it's an essential part of our evolution.
2: Yeah, many many scientists tell that it's because the diving reflex. Many scientists tell that uh, we have a origin mm. from the water and because all of us have this kind of reflex. Not only free diving athletes; we just have it more acute.
1: The mammalian response, right? The name. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes, it's the same.
1: So it's interesting that you are using some of the same techniques that we are introducing to the athletes. Uh, you know, to simulate high altitude training to get the spleen contraction but you take it obviously a step further because you do when you do free diving, you get the mammalian response but you also do static apnea outside the, yeah. the water as well and then do you if you do that do you still dip your head in water to get the the reflex or you're you're not allowed to do it
2: no um, i when i'm i don't have some people to to be my safety I normally train outside the water and I know that it's strongest than training in the water. And um, I also, I have the spleen contractions, but I don't have the diving reflex. But that is why it's very difficult to train outside the water. Mm -hmm. It's a strong dive for us. And sometimes I decided to train outside exactly because i will find a strong training for me yeah. and we have a many several exercises to improve um, the training as you told me about this altitude training
0: yeah
2: that you have
0: yeah
2: it's almost similar because yeah. we improve this hematocrit hematocrit, H- hematocrit. Um,
0: mm. it,
2: yes yes <laughs> and uh, we do we do it exactly to improve the our performance outside your, the water too.
0: Your oxygen carrying capacity. Um, do you? Yes. May I ask you what, what your hematocrit would be? Do you get it tested, or is it just information you wish to hold on to for yourself? Sorry. What what would um, a typical free diver hematocrit be? So normally for a female it's between 36 to 44%. Oh, no. no, it's bigger. It's <laughs> bigger. No,
2: for me, yeah, yeah. Um, my my level is around 43-44. Okay. And then when you go to the water, you must pay attention because if you're not you are not, uh, not hydrated, well hydrated, yes. then the level
1: can be higher.
2: Yes. So we pay attention to and about it.
1: In, our, in the in the manual, I mean Ox- oxygen advantage uh, manual, we there's a lot of examples uh, about and, and research on on freediving, and I think one is saying that it's actually a permanent increase for a lot of freedivers with a hematocrit value of five percent in uh, units, which rings well with what you're saying, forty-four, so five percent higher than a normal uh, woman. Yeah. So, so you you don't have just a temporary, which you get from the spleen contraction. You also have a permanent. From all those years of practice, it seems. Uh, maybe it's lower now, I don't know, but, but it seems like you, you get both a, a temporary and a permanent shift. So yeah. interesting. Um, w- would you say that uh, people are using, any free divers use hyperventilation now? Or is that something only back in the good old days when, when people use, or they just try to relax now with different techniques?
2: It's an old technique, uh, for sure, because it's uh, dangerous. And then today, we avoid it. Uh, we just pay attention about exactly to, to the, the main part is the relaxation. Mm-hmm. And we call our ventilations a, a kind of a super ventilation. Then I try to, to spend no more than three minutes breathing. Um, we have the mask around the face, so we need to breathe through the mouth okay. that we what, can what is a super breathe like through that? the nose. A super ventilation, it's, um, a ventilation that is not the, exactly the, the, the necessary for the moment is a little bit more, a little bit more. But not a big ventilation. So we pay attention to don't be tired, the rib cage tired, yes. don't elevate the heartbeat and balance the nervous system to don't be too much relaxed and not too much stressed because you must be focused to go down
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: and you must be prepared to the maximum. So you can't stress it a lot outside and start to dive tired. Mm. So we pay attention a lot about it. So the super ventilation is something about a special ventilation, not so calm, not so parasympathetic, but uh, we Mm. try to up, we use the belly. I normally use the belly and a little bit upper. Mm-hmm. And a little, the rhythm is important because I change the rhythm to get in the focus uh, state. The rhythm uh, interfere on it. Not this. Mm-hmm. I don't use the, all the lung during this moment. Is one or two minutes, mm-hmm. and but the rhythm it's a little bit strong, and I faster. pay attention as yes, faster. Mm-hmm. And I pay attention about the signals to the CO2 level is not so low, low because to don't be in a hyperventilated state. So it's that.
0: This is really interesting, Daniel, because achieving a flow state is something that's not just for beneficial to pre-diving, but it's, this is for any person, you know? Yeah. And um, we have our own routine in terms of, we activate the body's relaxation response first. And we do it by breathing light, <clears throat> by breathing slow and by breathing low. And this is a calming effect on the mind. And then we do two easy breath tolls and five strong breath to get spleen contraction. And maybe just before a person goes out onto a game, they, they exhale some carbon dioxide from the mouth just to lower any acidity and i think we're all looking to replicate flow states and you're doing it slightly different so it sounds as if you're increasing the respiratory rate so it's that little bit faster but the tidal volume which is the size of each breath, it doesn't seem as if you're changing that in other words you're not having an effect on minute ventilation it's 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 a faster respiratory rate, but you're keeping, are you keeping the, the tidal volume, which is the size of each breath, a little bit more or a little bit less or the same? I'm just wondering the effect on the overall minute ventilation, what impact is it having?
2: I think of the tidal a little bit bigger than the tidal volume, yes,
0: a little bit normal. bigger. Yeah. So you're, so you're slightly hyperventilating. But you're doing it controlled that your carbon dioxide levels don't go down too much. And the reason being is because if your CO2 levels are too low, if you go into the water, you're not going to feel the sensation to breathe. So there's a risk of underwater blackout. Is that the main reason? Yeah. Yes, yes. But we pay a lot of attention.
2: Uh, We are very far from uh, hyperventilation.
1: Very far.
0: Yes, yes, it's amazing,
1: amazing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, freedivers must be the ones who are mostly in tune with their breeding before they're going in. So it seems to me that there's, you know, you, you, you reduce your CO2 slightly versus if you're, a different, if you're a tennis player or a football player, you would increase it slightly because you don't, you know, you want to get an increase, a slight air hunger before this. So you're, you're moving the other way slightly. So it's all about calibrating the stress level, because I I'm sure that you're very stressed, in, you know, in, before you go down a hundred meters, so you you need to be able to handle that in various ways. But I don't think there's any sport where you're that uh, meticulous about your breathing before, because it's mm-hmm. it's it's everything that that's what you're doing. But ironically, you don't breathe; you hold your breath. So yeah, so so yeah. so I think the sports world could learn a lot. Any sport really, totally.
0: Um, Can I ask two questions, because they're bugging me now. One is, (laughs) what, what do you think allows you to hold your breath for so long? What factors do you think are playing a role? Relaxation is one factor, the cognitive component, surrendering into the air hunger, and being able to cope with that feeling of suffocation. There are other factors as well, Caroline, have you ever thought about what factors are allowing you to have such a long breath hold? Do you think it's CO2 tolerance? Do you think it's discomfort signals from the diaphragm? Um, What do you think is going on? You have a spleen contraction, which allows you to, I don't know. So what do you think?
2: Um, I think uh, the training, the acceptation of the contractions is a mental training to uh, this part of the, the mental training is very important because when you start to, to training and you feel the urge to breathe, it's a kind of uh, you a shock, shock state because when you feel it, you feel immediately that you will die if you don't breathe. Mm. So you start to accept it. You start to understand. So you change psychologically, because you know what is the contraction, you know what is happening and you want to do it to do a performance. So it's a, it's a very important moment when you can improve, when you decide to improve. So you have the first part that that is a chemical adaptation, the CO2 and the O2, the oxygen level, are a chemical adaptation for your body. Then the psychological adaptation becomes with the information and how do you understand the process? And also how do you accept, how do you accept the suffering moment? And how do you accept the pressure, the water pressure and how do you focus on what you need to do? So you must, the training is very complex, but the mind guides you and the body just to adapt with this chemical and the, and the water pressure too. What happens underwater? We have other problems, issues underwater like a narcosis and you must control it and you will control it with your mind. It's a very difficult moment when you cross 40 meters and went to 120 meters, you have a, your synapses in your mind, your brain start to fail. And you start to see and imagine things. You start to hear noise. And it's very difficult to keep the focus, so the mind uh, is always the main part. So that is why many times I, my in my training days, I I use it to train the apnea, but also the mind together, thinking about the dive. I try to visualize the the whole dive. Always this both training is very important to improve so i think uh, i in the beginning um, i had a a good co2 tolerance because without training i i realized that i accepted the contractions since the beginning that is why uh, a kind of uh, skill that I, that I had in the past. But the others, even if you have the skills, but if you don't training and if you don't accept the conditions, and if you are not strong in your mind, you don't go beyond.
1: So how many hours per day, or how often did you train when you were at your peak level? You You can be effective. Without
2: many hours, many hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you train well, correctly, I I think two hours is enough. Is enough if you balance during the week. Uh, all the the training is not always the same, but if you balance it, then I think two hours is enough.
1: Enough. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and do you do you do other types of training like? Physical training, like uh, in addition, and swimming and so on, or oh, I,
2: I love it to to cycling, so I I I practice cycling six days per week. So inside, when I'm cycling, I train free diving too, free because we move the, you have this you you must move your legs, and yeah. it's very similar. To the when you kick your fins okay, so it's very nice training, and you can do aerobic and aerobic training cycling
0: hmm.
2: so I love to cycling, I love to um, bodyboarding, and um, I love also running, I love yoga uh, <laughs> if you leave me to do everything that I want to do. <laughs>
1: How, I don't have a time to do everything. <laughs> so uh, one thing that's very interesting to me is, uh, I mean, these are uh, one of those sports that I, I don't think anybody really can relate to, to deep diving if you haven't done it yourself. So could you take us through, like, up to when you were trying to set a world record, like the day before, uh, uh, with, even with sleep, which is a big interest to us, uh because you would be maybe a little bit uh, nervous so what would you be doing the 24 hours leading up to an event uh because that would be very interesting to know
2: uh i think uh, one month
1: before
2: i change it, i start to change to to the goal to do it so that i i have a plan mm-hmm. and i try to improve uh the sleep how many hours is sleeping sleeping very well i pay attention a lot about it mm-hmm. i take serious for serious the the, yeah. the sleep and um around three days before i avoid to eat uh, steak or i just eat pasta and i avoid to caffeine and other the, Drinks. Yes. And sleep well, sleep well all the time. Then I try to control. I do the exercise to be relaxed. I like a lot mantras to the exercise for the mind to to take the mind stable. And I like to repeat the mantras because Put me in a, a real calm state. Yeah. So I pay attention with breath. And if I find some signal of stress, I do a short apneas around the 20 or 30 seconds, 10 short apneas, and I get into a nice state again. Mm. Because I'm also, um, I I realized that I'm nervous, and I try. The difference is that you can control, you can feel it and control it. And that is what I do. So I also feel nervous, but uh, I try to do it sleep well and short apneas. If I feel out of control, then I stop and uh, short apneas and I put me in, the, in my calm state again.
1: Yeah, and what about, when is it the most nervous moment? Is it like a few hours before, the night before, or right before you do the diet?
2: Right before you'll be in a, <laughs> a bad situation. So I think uh, <laughs> you have moments, then you you have adrenaline moments hours before. So you have some moments that you feel, oh God, then you control, you feel God, you control again. So when you go to the, to the, the record minutes before, you are in a flow state, I think, because you are in a flow state. It's a state that... Um, anything can interfere anymore. Mm. You, I'm closer to do it. So when I'm putting my wetsuit, when I start to do my, my warm-ups, I'm completely involved to do it.
1: Mm. Nothing right. interfere anymore. You're probably, I would say then, at the borderline of alpha and theta, I mean, uh, brain waves. So you're, you're, in, you're in that yeah. state. state. Would you say that what it, do you know what your pulse rate is when you go in? And do you know how much it drops, your heart rate? How much it goes from, like, say, 45 to 20 in the world? Do you know? Have you? Uh, yeah.
2: Yes. When I did the record to Guinness Book, and I was doing the warm-up, and I check my heartbeat. My heartbeat is around 43 in the morning. But uh, I, what I do is short apneas. I hold my breath with a full length, but also I hold my breath with uh, um, empty length. And when I do the empty length, I had uh, 25 heartbeats per minute when I breathe out and hold the breath. So it was the minimum.
0: Can I ask you when you breathe out and hold you. So when you breathe in and hold your breath, you, you fill your lungs and hold your breath. And if you breathe out, do you breathe in? Do you breathe out to functional residual capacity? Is it a normal exhalation? Yes. Normal exhalation, yes. and then you hold your breath. Yes, I don't force to breathe out. It's yes, a, yes. a normal.
2: Yes, it's a passive expiration.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. a passive ex- expiration to FRC, and you're holding the breath, but you're not doing a maximum. You're only holding the breath for short duration. No, you're, you're... no, I don't force. You don't force Short apneas. Yes, yes. What's short for you,
1: 20, 30 seconds? Or how how long would you say uh, in seconds that you hold your breath? In
2: seconds, without force, the aspiration, I think uh, 45 45 seconds, no more more than this. The intention is not force. Okay. It's just to calm down and get Mm -hmm. into the diving reflex. Is the and, main
1: purpose. And then you rest for how long? Like a minute or two? After, two, two. Two. And then you do... Two minutes. How, roughly how many times? How many times? I do...
2: I do... I improve a little bit the, in the beginning. I do short apineas. Two, three short apineas. Mm-hmm. With air and without air. And then I improve the warm-ups until I feel the contraction. When I feel the contraction, I stopped. Okay. And then the interval is bigger. It's around three or until five minutes.
1: Okay. And time. then
2: I go to the maximum. Mm-hmm.
1: So so you build it up slowly to get to the level where you get contractions and then you stop. So you kind of go yes. it up slowly, almost like you you're walking, then you're jogging, like the same to get your muscles, but now it's your breath. So once you feel it, you 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 bring it down again. So it's supposed to be just pure relaxation when you do it. Okay, very, very interesting. Mm.
0: Um,
1: So uh, a a very interesting question also. How does it feel (laughs) when you're at such a great depth? Is there a progression of feelings from the water level down to the bottom and then when you go up again? Is it possible to describe that feeling uh, during that? And how long does it take, two to three minutes?
2: The, uh, when I reach, uh, reached 121 meters, it was uh, a total dive time is three minutes, 15 seconds around it. But uh, what I think during this travel, and, uh, well, first, I, I must pay attention about the technical issues like equalization. This mm-hmm. is the most important part. So I focused on it because the speed improve and you can't lose the equalization. Mm -hmm. So I pay attention around my ears all the time to put air around my mouth because we change. We must have the flexible diaphragm to put air inside the mouth to equalize the ears. And it's very important for me. Then, if I succeed and I improve the depth, I start to feel like a, I never opened my eyes going down with the machine. Never. Okay. So I just open my eyes on the bottom when the machine stops, and then I feel. Then I open my eyes and I feel that yes, I reached it. So it's a um, an emotion, but. A, It's you just perceive that you are in a special place, a special place where you are nothing like yesterday. You feel that you are united with the sea. You are nothing, but you are everything at the same time. It's a very... Strange sure, sure. and good sensation. It's a good sensation.
1: It's well, amazing. I've, I've heard and that... then
2: you need to go up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah because I've heard somebody say it's the ultimate meditation to free dive. And I don't know, since I haven't done it myself, I don't know, but I, I, from talking to you and just listening to other free divers, it seems, it seems like an uh, unbelievable experience when you go down to those steps. And do you get it every single time or could it be like every other time? Uh, or do you always get it?
2: Um, this sensation you can feel it in a shallow water too. Okay. But you must to accept many things, and you need to train it too. Yeah. Then, when you start to free diving, you will really start to free diving. You will feel the sensation.
0: Yeah. Is
2: the treasure. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> Carolyn, can I ask? In terms of people who start off free diving, do sometimes people overdo the breath holds? Because even when when we're working with, we do breath holds, of course. And you know, you could be working with one person, and their reaction to a breath hold is a lot stronger. Um, in in terms of the panic and the feeling of suffocation, that like it can bring up trauma. Um, do you, do, you, do you ever see people over doing it with the breath tolls? Sometimes it's a nice balance to get with breath tolls. Or do you think it's the, the adapted training that helps the person adjust to the breath tolling?
2: I think uh, the, the beginners for the beginners, uh, when I'm doing the freediving course, I don't put the people directly in the water because I do many exercises outside the water. Because I try to work with the breath, the mind, and the emotions too. Because it's, everything is connected. Mm. So I give the information to try to, um, to avoid the, the. For the beginners, they, they are very afraid of everything. So when they are afraid, it affects the emotion that affects the breath, that affects everything. It will affect the free dive too. So I work with them outside the water and we do some stretching. Then we do the belly breath, the full breath. We do a relaxation. We do a relaxation in the water, floating. And then after that, we start with a hypercapnic training short apneas in the water without the mask so just to feel free in the water and accept the short uh, co2 high levels but short not bigger and then when they realize that they can reach 30 seconds or one minute, and they are happy so i try to do the next training that is a hypoxic training that is a little bit stronger. So step by step, yeah. I I work with the skills and also the the other problems that appear during the course, because each student is different. So I, it's not a, a package. It it's starts to be a personal um, uh, job for me because I I need to work with each one differently.
1: Yeah, in, in the oxygen advantage, we use the bold score as kind of a, a measurement for progression to see if That's you know. Nice. Uh, and do you have something similar? So how how would you know where a person is at so they can go down five meters or ten meters or whatever? Yeah. Do you do you have some marker to know? Where, yes.
2: We, we try to consider in the beginning, the first contraction, when the first contraction starts in the static apnea, it's a a very important point for us and how many contractions the student can accept in the beginning. It's important, but before feel the contractions, there is another adaptation. It's not do it, to the CO2 level, high CO2 level. It's another adaptation that we need to, to have it. If you don't training and you stop the rib cage, we have a barometric sensors and the brain is not adapted to feel your rib cage, stop it. So the first training is short apneas, just to accept the rib cage, stop it is the first phyolo- physiological response for apneas. If you don't move your rib cage, the brain will perceive it and send a message to brief. But this message to brief is not due to the high CO2 level. It's just because the rib cage is stopped. That is why in the beginning, i i I tell to the students to move the air from the legs to the mouth without losing the air, and then they use to breathe and the contraction stop. so you say from the legs to the mouth yeah, we put the air from the legs to the mouth like that and breathe again okay then you you can reach one minute to one thirty. seconds in the beginning. And then the real signal of the high CO2 appear.
0: So Caroline, just to, to go back to that. So what you're saying is, when you do a breath hold, your brain has interpreted that your ribs have stopped moving completely. And because your ribs have stopped moving, your brain is sending the impulse to breathe, so you're tricking your ribs by moving air from your lungs, and back again. Yeah, this is a we we all we always kind of interpreted that it was the discomfort signals from the diaphragm that were sending a message through the brain, which terminated the breath all the time. And there could be so many different things involved with this. It's it's so complex, and yes you know but it's it's a trick only
2: for the beginning
0: yes okay it's just to surpass the
2: the very difficult moment in the beginning Mm. it's very very hard to cross the contraction the use to breathe Mm. and then if you do this trick you feel more comfortable to to go
0: beyond a little bit Mm. Do you, do you think that by training people to surrender to the feeling of air hunger, that you build up their breath, that you build up their willpower and their stress coping ability outside of the free-diving? So if you're working with a vulnerable, say for example, you're working with somebody who gets quite stressed quite easily, and you're teaching them the ability to cope with air hunger and they are able to relax into this discomfort, that then when they get a stressful event in their normal everyday life, that they can cope with it much better because they have trained their body and mind to be able to surrender. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, completely. Do you think it is possible?
2: I think um, um, Patrick, When you train freediving, you are able to control many situations outside the water, but mainly because what I told you in the beginning, and you control the breath, you control your mind, you control the energy, you can use your energy better. The whole body can do it. It's not only to do freediving, it's for your life. Yeah, it's for it's it's for the whole body, and this is very important. That is why I think uh, um, teach free diving is beautiful, but teach how to breathe, and it's amazing.
1: Mm. What what would you say are the main benefits for most people? Is it their general well-being their ability to focus happier like what what is what do you see the main effects
2: um the i think uh, what i real what i found in my courses in the uh, for the beginnings is um difficult to breathe better mainly because they they breathe short and through the mouth And I think uh, all the people today are in a hyperventilated state outside the water. So I think the first great benefit is balance the CO2 again. Put the body in a, a healthy situation again, and then you can improve to do any sports. But first, you will improve the balance, the sewage balance to oxygen the whole body better. And then you can we can start to do everything you want to do because you are breathing better again, you control it. Then if you start to do the training, you will also apply the mental control because You are breathing in another rhythm. You know your thoughts. You can control your thoughts. You are not a a kind of slave of your emotion that destroy your breath, that destroy your body. So you have a a key of that. You can control better your health, your thoughts, your emotions. I think... uh, outside the water, I become a better human mm-hmm. because freediving offer me more than this. Offer me to learn how to breathe too.
0: Mm-hmm. It's you,
2: a para- paradoxal. Yeah. It's paradoxal because you hold your breath, but to hold yes. your breath, you must to learn how to breathe better.
1: Yeah. So you have to breathe correct in order to hold those long breath holds. So it seems to me, that this could be beneficial for somebody who is depressed. Have you trained people who are depressed that can change their states, that get into these low states? Uh, I don't know if they have breathing problems coming in, but it seems to me that it could be helpful.
2: Yeah, yes also. Because uh, depressive people breathe very short also, Mm. very short. So the happiness helps you to breathe better too. So the the body position, the the emotional state, uh, happiness state, also contributes, contributes to you to breathe better.
1: Mm. And also the pressure from the from the water is also beneficial. Ah oh,
2: yes, yes yes.
1: So yes, uh, completely. Yeah, so it, I was, I, I'm I'm absolutely fascinated. It by very it. much
0: makes sense. So in, in some ways, because when you can accustom. I think there's a number of, ha- number of aspects here. One is the physiological change in response that you're able to hold your breath for longer. So your tolerance to CO2 buildup is better. Your tolerance to drop lower, lower oxygen is better. You're able to surrender. There's a psychological aspect in terms of surrendering to the feeling of air hunger. But when you have improved CO2 tolerance and a longer breath hold time, normally we see a slower respiratory rate and we see more breathing from the lower regions of the lungs using the diaphragm and slow breathing and low breathing in turn then is going to help strengthen the baroreflex, reflex which in turn then is improving vagal tone which would be very very helpful with people with mental mental health issues um, i think there's a lot going on here you know we should watch a video of you doing a dive yeah. and because you know maybe we're talking about it so caroline i'm just gonna do a share screen here I'm not, I'm not sure even if this is a good one it may not be so do you see that one there yes so, do you recognize do you oh recognize it? Is this so, in italy
2: it's the deep joy yes it's a, a drive at 40 meters and it, in italy
1: yeah
0: yeah so it's long 40 y- we can barely see you. You're, you're down here. And I'm not sure if you're, if you're on your way back up or if you're, Okay, so it's it's pretty impressive, um, to say the least. It, What's that,
1: yeah, was that a minute and 27 seconds, so how much of, a, of an effort is that for you, 40 meters?
2: 40 meters, um, the speed is around one meter per second. It's around it, so one minute, one minute 20, one minute 30
1: seconds to go down and come back again. Oh. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't it oh, cool. yeah. we have to try it out, Patrick, and see how it works out. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's
0: for we sure. need to go
2: to you're first. We need to go there to that.
0: <laughs> It'll be baby steps, huh? <laughs> no, it's so cool. So yeah. cool. Um yeah. in terms of Giuliano, you're a fellow country person with Caroline here. And uh free diving, is it uh, popular in Brazil? yeah i think it is right carol for me it's, it's not so I, I i like to to free dive but i i never tried a lot no. you don't Just want to get into McCarl- a competition with carol i know no. <laughs> he's coming
2: to my island he's
0: coming <laughs> i'm coming to florianapolis
1: <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> i will make the training with carol also yeah you're gonna do it that's super great
1: yeah. no i mean I, i'm definitely i am always been fascinated so i definitely want to try one of these days but i guess it's uh, something you really have to train for i mean you have no room for error really so <laughs> so you i guess you really have to be careful so yes. but, but it would be very exciting to see how much you can improve actually
0: mm, it's amazing and nice. um, carl so, if people wanted to, oh sorry juliano there I, I... no no i'm just gonna say that soon i'll be training for carol <laughs> yes and if people wanted to make contact with you, how would they find out about you? What's your website, or do you have Instagram or social media?
2: Yeah, uh, they can find me at Instagram, uh, Carol Mayer Official, or at my website, carolmeyer.com.br, Brazil. And they will find
0: me there. <laughs> great, great. Because, you know, we were in the space of breathing. And it's funny, Daniel, I haven't really gave the the free diving so much thought, even though a lot of the, the articles that we look yeah. at in terms of the breath holding are coming from the free dive community. It's where a lot of the research on breath holding has originated from. Yeah. Um, that there's a nice fit here.
1: Yeah. And, and again, I think even though you see the hematocrit values go up and all the physiological changes, I think they're great. But I think the mental aspect, again, mm. and hard to measure, but I think those are substantial, both on a temporary basis when you alter your states, but also on a permanent basis when you get those states. I think yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm deeply fascinated by it, absolutely. So uh, we hope to learn more about that, uh, Caroline, in, in the future.